Mindset Podcast. We are your guide as you make your way through life, getting better 1% every day. We believe that life is lived and true victory won through adversity. Nothing easy is ever worth it. We believe in the warrior ethos and support those that choose to walk that path. All right, guys, we have Stu Brower here with us today. Uh, we've used Stu as a consultant for us at my gym, Workhorse Fitness, uh, probably for about a year in the past, and he's helped us really get our shit together. And um, I love Stu, and I love Stu's mindset, and I wanted to bring him to you guys so you could get a little slice of what we got. Um, what's up, man? Awesome, dude. Gene, thank you so much for having me on, man. This Absolutely. is great. Cool. Well, I want to I wanna introduce you to everybody. I want to go through... Um, your background a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I know a good bit of it, but I'm also going to kind of riff off of your bio a little bit. So if it's a little repetitive, sure. Uh, just, just yell at me. Um, so I know you started out, uh, you, you know, you're doing a lot of consulting, but you've have deep background in coaching and fitness. Yeah. And I've heard you riff on some stuff and, uh, you, you have some good insight. So where did, where did that start for you? So I like to, the, to give everyone context to give them value on this podcast. I, I'm 35 years old. I'm a uh, I'm a ginger, and when you're a 14 year old ginger <laughs> who goes to an all boys Catholic high school to play lacrosse, and you weigh maybe 130, uh. maybe 140 pounds soaking wet, fitness becomes a thing. It's how you make varsity. It's how you get laid. It's it's also I had a, <laughs> I had a big disciplinary problem when I was a kid, and uh, detention for me was cleaning the the our weight room. And I went to a very, I went to a Catholic prep high school. So like literally the majority of people were going to Ohio State, D1, you know, Big Ten, SEC schools. So the Mm. weight room was legit. And anyway, we, uh, that was my, that was my punishment. It was always cleaning it. And I'd get into Mel Sif books and I'd get mm. into Ripito and I'd get into all these strength and conditioning, you know, uh, you know, encyclopedias, if you will, the bodybuilding encyclopedia. Um, anyway, and I'd get in all this stuff and that led me down exercise science as my, my bachelor's when I got in, in college, uh, went to exercise science. And then I found CrossFit in 2006, kind of like a hot stock tip. Someone's like, Hey, <laughs> this whole fitness thing, right. there's, a, there's something there's something you might want to keep an eye on. And I did. And that's 2006. So that's relatively still early on. And I mm-hmm. followed CrossFit all through that. I opened, you know, I, uh, I took a detour. I didn't go right and open my own gym. I went to Globo Gym and I got a job as a personal trainer and then worked my way up to a manager and then a training director. And then I got hired as a district vice president. And then I got hired as a consultant. And I just skyrocketed this Globo Gym career. That's all um, the stuff that the CrossFit affiliate owners never get. Well, it was it made me so dangerous because I, I came in a CrossFit like I love CrossFit. I love group mm-hmm. fitness. I love group strength and conditioning, this new thing we're all playing with. And but none of us had business acumen yeah, and I no, knew that. No. So when I, I kind of sold my soul, cause back in the day, if anyone remembers like you, there were Globo gyms mm-hmm. and then there were like CrossFit boxes and it was mm-hmm. us versus them. And when it I was. left, I, when I left my CrossFit gym and I told them I'm going to go work at the Globo gym so I can learn the business side. I mean, that was kind of like excommunicating myself from a portion <laughs> yeah, of that ecosystem. But in the long run, um, you know, fast forward like two and a half years, three years later, I opened up my own gym and, I mean, you know, I don't have these numbers officially, but I was an 1800 square foot micro gym. I didn't know anyone. I had moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. I didn't have one friend. I didn't have any aunts or like relatives to plug me in and get me clients. 
I had nobody. And I grew that thing in a, you know, probably within two years, we went from one of the smallest micro gyms in Charlotte and physically in stars of space right. and my membership, we had to have been in like the top three, if not one of the top two or one in the Charlotte wow. area. Um, and, and then from there, my business was up and running and I started making videos. I like creating content. Mm -hmm. I like talking. Um, I've always enjoyed public speaking and, and things of that nature. So I started creating content and that was in 2015, which turned into my full-time job now, which still have my gym. We've converted it to a license model and rebranded it and all this fun mm -hmm. stuff. But uh, consulting uh, under this media handle that is WTF Gym Talk has been my full-time job since 2015. And that's how we found you. Yeah. Uh, just following your your basically your Instagram posts. Yeah, yeah what, what we're doing right now, the creation of content is how people discover anything these days. That's and right. that you just, you know, 2015, that was still kind, it wasn't super early, but mm -hmm. content at scale for people was still, if you were, you had the balls to hit record, there's two buttons very hard. <laughs> you know this from making podcasts, two very scary buttons. The first one is the record button. Right. The second scariest button is the upload button. Yeah, to publish, yep. yeah. Yep, yep. Um, so you're talking about urban movement. Yes, that that's my gym now. Correct. Yeah, yeah, it's a great gym. I've worked out there uh, twice. It's a great gym. Thank you, sir. Um, and and that led you into buying that building. Yeah. So I uh, one thing that you realize really quick when you get high up in the business acumen of the fitness industry, you mm -hmm. understand that real long term wealth. There's not a lot of it in owning an independent gym. You're actually going to run into a lot of issues right. down the road unless you come up with a different wealth strategy. Mm -hmm. um, some people want to replicate their gym, either open multiple corporately owned stores. They're going to franchise their gym. They might license their gym or they might sell their gym. Right. Or they might keep it as passive and they become a, like a shareholder. Right. Right. They exit out of the day to day and they just collect a check from the gym. So there's these exits that I saw. But for me. I was like, okay, I'm going to make myself broke as hell and I'm going to put all my cash and buy commercial real estate in this growing area of downtown Charlotte, North Carolina. And, and that's what I did. And when I purchased that, it also gave me the opportunity to rebrand the business, which I wanted to do so I could replicate it. That's very difficult to do as a CrossFit gym for anyone who's listening. Right. It's yeah. very difficult to own multiple CrossFit locations. Um, and so, and that's what we did. I purchased the real estate and, uh, and then we rebranded and then we started our license model like three years later. That's going well. It is. This is our first year. Like we announced it in 2021 and I didn't want to coming off 2020. It was just, it was horrible timing. Just everyone had horrible timing. Um, but we're good. I'd like, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to say we're probably going to be announcing about five locations by the end of the year. That's incredible. Yeah. So I'm pretty, I'm excited about that. It'll be pretty cool. I, and I knew you before. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so this is, that's good. Thank you for that. You can tell you do content a lot because you just kind of went right through that. Um, <laughs> it's impressive. So uh, what I, what I want to get to you to the point of here is that this, this whole show, what I do is help people live in that warrior mindset. And and I, I have to tell you, I've, I've followed you and I've seen you go through some things and brother, you have that mindset. Um, I th when I think of like in business and then, you know, of course, it crosses the realm of fitness, which I love. Uh, man, I, I think of you first when I think of that word warrior. You have a very stoic mindset. Do you study the stoics at all? Where I do you don't. fall on that? I've never even read. I know a lot of people that I respect uh, in the in the industry and others that read. I think there's a book mm -hmm. called The Stoic Mindset there's or something all kinds like of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't. And I, I'd be honest with you, I, I'm embarrassed to even say that I probably don't even fully understand the total what it means to be a stoic. I, I'd right. pin it to. So what? What? The, maybe I. Maybe I. Maybe I you am. You live what, it. You live it. What, so, so what does that mean? You have you have this uh, get to work mindset, right? I've seen okay. you quote that. 
Yeah. Right? It's it's uh, owning your mistakes, working. Don't don't get caught up in what other people think. You know, creating your own way. Yeah. You live that. So where did where did that get to work mindset come for you? So I tell people if I had one superpower, it's my ability to zoom out of a situation, see it from every single angle, and then be either emotional about it or rational or whatever I decide to be. Generally, it's Mm going to be rational. Typically in business and life, when we make bad decisions, they're emotional decisions. Absolutely. And so in business, I've always, you know, um, I'll give it a great example. Um, I I just got got off a call last night. I was talking to someone about uh, the Peloton situation, Peloton's treadmills. They've been being recalled and this whole issue because 36 kids got injured and one died. Right. And they were asking me for some PR branding, not Peloton, but uh, someone else asked me, like, what was my PR and branding take on this whole thing? And I zoomed out and I've got a daughter. So instantly, emotionally, my brain goes to, oh, my God, if I had a Peloton tread and anything happened to my baby girl, I'd burn that building the fuck down. (laughs) Right. And I apologize for swearing. Um, You can swear. Okay. Uh, And so I but I zoom out and I go, well, here's the deal. Any treadmill in the world, if I had it going at seven miles an hour right. and my daughter stuck her hand in it, she's going to get jacked up. Like that's right. happening to any treadmill. Like right. there are kids. I have an electric uh, – I, I have electric motorcycles and uh, skateboards. Mm-hmm. I could kill an entire school of kids if they get on my electric skate or my skateboard. It would right. kill them if they went fast enough. Absolutely. I mean I could slaughter an entire school with an electric <laughs> skateboard. Why? Because it's not for kids. Right. So I, I was giving them a different PR angle because a lot of people are coming from this you know, very angry anti-Peloton kind of thing. I'm like, well, let's also put this in the perspective as well. Um, now right. – in from a stoic mindset and looking at that in everyday life, uh, there's things I've been, um, you know, I, I had a dad die when I was really young. Uh, I've been mm-hmm. divorced and uh, I, I'm really happy to say that those, let's call those negative life experiences or whatever it may be. I, I, I have a great relationship with talking about uh, my dad's, the things that happened with him and suicide and all that. It's not something that's, it's not like a demon that lives inside of me. And I have a great relationship with my ex-wife and I've, I've gone on multiple podcasts and talked to people about being divorced as an entrepreneur. And I, I have a really good reconciliation with it because I believe that ability to zoom out and, and, you know, see things for what it is. And when you do that, it allows you to get straight to work because you spend less time having these like, mm-hmm. well, I feel like you shouldn't have done this. But but if you zoom out and you look mm-hmm. at it from every angle, think of it like a big brother camera that lives up looking at all of us at all time. You're like, oh, well, I guess I can kind of see why you did that. Even though that upsets me, I can see I can see the flow chart as to why you would feel the way. Mm-hmm. So let's let bygones be bygones. And let's get back to fucking work. That's absolutely it. That's it. You just defined it. Okay, cool. Yeah. I, I, you were laying I'm like, I'm not, because I'm not a smart man. I tell you, I'm not a smart man. I know uh, a lot about a little and that one thing in this business in the micro gym hey. industry. Beyond that, I'm probably at a fifth grade, you know, IQ level. Now, that's one of the things like, you know, we don't know what we don't know, right? We have to live our life understanding that there's shit that I'm doing that I don't even know I'm doing and being done to me that I don't even know is happening. And I just have to operate that way. And the smartest people in the world ask questions. You guys came to the Self-Made Summit, correct? Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Do you remember Mike Jones, the mm-hmm. CEO of Alchemy, when he was speaking? Yep. Mike was – I don't know if – did you sit in any Mike's breakout sessions? Uh, no, I was in uh, the, the um, okay. Madbolic so, one. Okay. So I was I, – I got to watch a bunch of the footage afterwards, mm-hmm. right, because I was in my own breakout. But Mike Jones, who was a very successful – he actually just stepped down last year as the CEO of Alchemy. Mm. But he was – he's a paid speaker that I paid to be there and give a presentation to you guys. And then we had breakout sessions. In the breakout sessions, Mike had a notebook, and every excuse me, every question that was asked of him, 
he was taking notes on like feverishly. And at the very end, he said, guys, I, this is your, you pay the be here. We've got five minutes left. Do you mind if I ask you questions? Ooh. And he was legit asking, not like he wasn't trying to like pad his ego and ask mm-hmm. softball questions. He was asking legit questions that he didn't know the answer to. And he was, he's like, I am the very first person to want to learn because I found that to be a common denominator of mm-hmm. successful happy individuals is when you're Absolutely. constantly in a state of hey you probably know something i don't let me learn from that or like i don't know what the definition of stoic is gene tell me so i don't sound like an idiot <laughs> um yeah i think that's a huge i think that's a huge thing a lot of yeah. business owners miss it's the instagram meme that's like leave your ego at the door but yeah, yeah it's yeah. really true i mean you really have to live your life uh ego less you got to leave your arrogance out of it yeah, and I've got a, I've got a, I've got a really weird relationship with that word ego because I believe uh, in what I call the entrepreneurial ego, which is this ability to say, "Hey, I'm so good at something. Yep. I'm going to start a company that people will pay me money because I'm that mm-hmm. good at delivering on that product or service." So you need some level of ego. What you I do. what I define is like the energy you give out. You got to have this exuberant, like mm-hmm. confident, awesome, passionate energy about your thing. But yeah, ego can also come on the back, come through the back door and really drag you down as a human being That's if right. you allow like yourself like getting romantic with your own, you know, uh, you know, your self-concept of how smart you are or skilled right. you are, experienced. Right. You got to remember the mission. Yeah, remember the mission. Uh, speaking of that, you have uh, on your bio, you have this quote, it's not what you do, it's how and why you do it that separates the winners from the losers. Yeah, yeah. So, give, me, give me something on that. Yeah, so I mean, everybody, so I, I way my consulting works, work one-on-one with gyms and I work up to with up to 40 gyms per month. That's it. Once my, my calendar hits 40 calls per month, I'm done. So um it's great. I love it. It's great work. But the one thing that's interesting, I've got 40 gyms and they're all doing it 40 different ways. At a macro oh, wow. level, it looks very similar. Brick and mortar sure. services or online fitness services. Right. But at a micro level, because I know the cut, the, the very fine details, they are they're actually executed in 40 different unique ways. Okay. And I I stepped in as a consultant in a world where a lot of companies are saying, hey, please sign up for our 12-step step incubator. Here's a PDF on how to do the here's systems. And they're the same systems we give every gym. And I'm so anti against that because huh. it is not what you do because gym A can do something and gym B can do the exact opposite of it. And I can have success stories on both of those. Oh, right. The people it in is, the cities are different. Correct. It's right. how you do it, how you actually execute on it mm-hmm. and then why you're doing it. And, and those two things, the how and the why are the two variables that everybody, nobody wants those. Everybody wants to, well, Stu, how do I get new more members into the gym? <laughs> what do I do? How do I, uh, how do I find right. employees that'll stick around? How do right. I market or brand? They all want the, you know, what it doesn't matter what you're doing it, mm-hmm. it it can be done i've got gyms honestly dog shit branding i mean the worst branding it's not good the logo sucks they have no concept of who they are who their customer is and they're on a they make a million dollars they're doing a million dollars a year because they did accidentally land on certain things within the business delivery that are working very very well they're you know i'm not saying they're accidental but they they by by default they don't have the fundamentals down yet they're still successful and yeah, so look at look at something like a uh, uh, a Zumba or Curves. Sure, I mean those are those are some you, of the biggest things in the world in terms 100%. of hundred percent. And you might look at it and say mm-hmm. like, oh, that's silly. That's not true fitness. Yeah. yeah, but guess what? They have a product 
for a very specific avatar and they deliver it better than anybody else. They're making hence, more than you. <laughs> yes. Hence why they are the, some of the biggest names yeah. in the fitness industry. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So you have, uh, I'm going to go through a couple of your Instagram posts this is what we do usually on yeah, the show. We I love it. Apart some Instagrams and you have a bunch. So you love fuel hunt. Yeah. And I, do. I find it fascinating that you like fuel hunt because I do too, but I come, I come at it from a jujitsu side. Sure. <laughs> you, I don't know where you came to them from. You probably I, just like their branding. I'm a, so I am like, if Instagram tells me to buy something, I probably buy it. Right. <laughs> like, so I like, I, my, my online purchasing, especially during 2020 was through the roof. Oh, yeah. Um, and Fuel Hunt was one of those brands that just kept popping up in front of me. And obviously, there's been a huge rise of lifestyle design brands, mm-hmm. you know, with Shopify and Instagram stores. And but I, I just saw it and I followed and then kept following and kept following. And one day, I, I don't know, it's probably their 36th post I've seen since I've been following. <laughs> and I was just like, I need to take a second of my day and let them know that I think they're doing a great job. Right. Like I, I truly believe if, if someone's doing something great, let them know because so many people go through life daily putting mm-hmm. in time and effort and you have no you idea how it. much one compliment like that could just make someone's day. I mean, it, for me, I happen like, you know, it happens and it makes my, like it makes my day, my week every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I sent him a DM and lo and behold, the two founders, uh, one of them is also involved in the fitness industry and he follows my stuff and, <laughs> and they were super psyched and they don't do podcast interviews and they agreed right. to do mine. And I was so flattered. Wow. And, um, and so we've just stayed in touch and, and they're absolutely great dudes. And I hope to do more work with them in the future, but like, awesome. yeah, I'm a huge fan of their, of their stuff and what they're doing, but you're right. It is very like MMA fight, right, workout right. hard kind of stuff. I believe, and, I, and I'm, I'm trying to do some kind of collab with them. I think they've got some really cool messaging that could be created for the entrepreneur side of yeah. that fuel hunt mantra. I have every rash guard they sell and every <laughs> nice, nice. Um, yeah. I love the look favors, hard workers. Yeah. Um, all right. So, Again, with this stoic mindset and something that I really, uh, I don't know that I have the self-control that you do, but something that I admire in you is um, you, you're always posting uh, people stealing your shit. Mm-hmm. You got like, some good shit. Yeah. I, I've been tempted to steal it myself, but then I'm like, nah, Stu's going to call me because he Stu. knows who I am. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you have this uh, good artist borrow, great artist steal. You have this post, but you, you get ripped off a couple of times. So Talk to me about a, a story where you've been ripped off, but but more importantly, how you take it. Sure. So uh, a great line that I think every entrepreneur or creator should live by is that good artists borrow, but great artists steal. And and what stealing actually means is that a, a great artist will go and look at a painting and be like, oh, my God, I love that painting. And they're going to take it and they're going to download it into their brain or put it in what I call like an inspiration right, folder. Right, right, like right. I literally have a folder on my phone called an inspo folder. Me too. So I'll take a, yeah, I'll take a screenshot. But then what I continually go is I then go steal from multiple sources. Mm-hmm. And when you steal from 10, 20 or more different sources, what you end up with is a number one, actually probably going to be really cool and unique. So some kind of hybrid version, something no one else had really put together, right. and you get a good story. What I get upset with, and I, I, I joke around, I call these guys like lazy fuck faces, and <laughs> yeah. is when someone steals from one right. source and doesn't use it as inspiration, but essentially creates a carbon copy of it. Yeah, the and, last one you posted was in your stories. It was like, dude. I, and I have no and I and I call these individuals out. I've like docu. I've like I've you know I've had my vlogging camera yeah. on while I call these guys, and they're oh, crap, that's like great. Yeah, but so recently, it's a gym. This guy came to the Self-Made Summit. What? And Steve Pinkerton, who was a speaker at the Self-Made Summit, yeah. found his marketing material that was a legit word-for-word color scheme ripoff 
yeah. of a tagline that we have at Urban Movement is getting trademarked. And um, Steve's like, man, this guy, and he, he's, he's in Charlotte. He, like, he's 10 minutes outside of Charlotte. Are you kidding like, me? 10 minutes outside of Charlotte. So like I and I never go looking for this. This stuff gets sent to me. But oh, I mean, yeah. it, it's nice enough to have the reach now where people, if they see it being ripped off, I get DMs on it. So I always reach out. I'm never a dick. I don't go to my lawyer. I'm not wasting my money having yeah, a lawyer I mean, send you a C&D. Yeah, yeah. So I just sent him an audio message and I was like, hey, ma'am saw this and I went to the website and we have three different class styles at urban movement and mm-hmm. they ripped off the exact names of the classes, the exact descriptions. It was just, a, it, there was no inspiration taken. It was like, I'm lazy or I can't think of this or right. I don't want to pay a creative director or a branding expert. So I'm just going to take what you have. And I guess maybe with me, like, because I've spent since 2015 making free content for every gym owner. Mm-hmm. I mean, like here's as much, I give it away. I give it away all the time. It's like, man, the fucking 700 videos I've made in five years and all the free content I've put out isn't enough that you actually had to go to the thing. I paid for that, that yeah. branding yeah. I paid a design company for, and you're going to take that and try to run with it. Like it just, those individuals, unfortunately they lose on a long enough timeline, which is perfectly fine. But um, I always just send a message. I'll know, Hey, I see you. I'm not taking legal action. I might have to send a C and D if we open up a license E in that area. Right. But for right now, man, if that's you, do you good fucking luck. Hmm. You find that's usually enough. Um, I, so I do that. And then I set a note to follow up and take hmm. a look. 99% of the time I get someone extremely compliant. So we right. had an individual steal, um, a bunch of like even our podcast, uh, trademarks and the hashtag sweat local trademark. Yeah. And I sent, I made one Instagram DM. And it was gone by the end of the day with an apology letter. Super nice. Mm-hmm. And there's some individuals I'm sure that maybe, you know, just tell me to go fuck myself. And, <laughs> and that's fine. And then again, but now once you open up a license model, right. I now owe it to them to protect yeah. certain marks yeah. and language. So yeah. there, yeah, there, there will have to be C and D's in the future. That's uh, a different C&D. piece. Yeah. But still, you, you still don't seem like you take it personally. I mean, maybe you do and you hide it, but well, you don't take it personally. I don't see you smashing your face on your monitor. No, no, no. I don't get angry with it because I can zoom out. Yeah, because I zoom out and I'm like, I get it. Like this guy is a struggling bit. Nobody who's successful is wanting to take my stuff because they're already successful on their own brand. But a brandless gym owner who is, you know, they're they're worried about the future. They don't know if they're going to be able to make it in business long term. Their money's not coming in and and Mm. they don't like what they have. And maybe they see an urban movement like that. Man, that was a fucking great idea. Why didn't I think of that? And and so I understand the desire to covet it, right? I understand that desire. Right. Um, so I get the, I get where they're, we're, we're all flawed humans, right? We're not perfect. So I understand where they would make the mistake, mm-hmm. but it's also just what I was like, okay, I'm going to dunce you in public, right? You know, and, and I'm going to embarrass you a little bit on a vlog or whatever it is and send you a private DM and, and see if we can't resolve this between us. But no, I don't get too angry because I, I can, I can see where, uh, a desperate individual is going to chase is going to do that instead yeah. um when really they could call like a, a company like metcon creative and spend a couple thousand dollars and have Get their own quick. thing that is dope even just as dope if not better than mine mm-hmm. <laughs> you're teaching maybe I'm that's your, maybe that's your coaching background just, maybe 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 um all right so another thing that i saw and you just kind of picked up and kept going was your youtube channel got just borked <laughs> yeah I don't know if it's a sore subject or not, but no, it's I I was impressed how you just were like, yep, fuck it. We're going to post it again. Yeah. So in 20, there used to be a position YouTube would pay actual human beings called trusted flaggers. 
and a trusted flagger would analyze if someone, if YouTube's algorithm, the robot, recognized that you did something bad, it was good, like against the community guidelines. Oh, right, right, right. You could appeal it, and an actual human being would review your appeal. Well, coming up to 2019, they got rid of that position because of the upcoming election. I mean, I mean, there were like there were how to kill Joe Biden YouTube channels. Right. So like right. they're like we cannot have humans doing this. No. So they went and replaced it all algorithmic, all robots. Hmm. I started a new podcast series this year. Um, it's long format, mm -hmm. and every three hour or so interview, I chop up into 25 to 35 pieces of micro content. So I, I triggered the robot a few ways. We started uploading crazy, like way higher volume content than we ever had. We had been tagging our interviewee, our guest, in every single post, um, and we had just applied for monetization. I finally had started hitting enough uh, views on videos that I could start monetizing. And those three things, unfortunately, in and of themselves, they're fine. But if you do them all three in a two-week basis or whatever, you all, you might trip the robot, and you might be like, oh, this is spam. So I get an email from YouTube. We've removed your entire channel due to spam. No questions asked. It's just an, it's an automatic email. It's not from a human being. Your right. channel's been removed due to, and then spam. Here's a link as to what spam is and how we define it. You can appeal it here. So I appealed it. The appeal got denied. Another robot, like 24 hours later, no. So I just got to rebuild it. Now, the good thing is, is like literally – these are all external hard drives. Mm -hmm. I literally have external hard drive. I mean, I've got more of these fucking things lying around than I I'm care to admit. So all the videos still exist. But now it's one of these like, okay, there's I think over 700 videos on that YouTube channel. Yeah, you had a and, lot. And now I've got to get them all back up there. But what's going to piss the robot off again? If I upload too many at once, am I going to get kicked? So it, that's kind of where I'm at with it. And it's just funny because it was like you're you're beholden to the platform. You yeah, know, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, you're just but, working within the – Hundred percent, but it's not like it's not like I lost money on it. I just I'm going to lose time. I'm going to have to spend money to get people to upload these videos again and all this other stuff. But hey, you live and you learn. And now, if anyone ever has that happen to them, they can reach out to me because I'm going yeah. through this. It's another experience yeah, I yeah. can add to my my knowledge base. But you just kind of I mean, you came out talking about it, and you were like, "Well, you know, this really sucks." But yeah. like, I've got all my videos because I was smart enough to do that, and I'm just going to go back after it, and I'm going to make it better than it was. Yeah, again, I think that's the zooming out. Like you can mm -hmm. see in the moment you're emotional. I'm like, I want to take my laptop and snap it over my Fuck knee. Yeah. And I, ju I just want to like march down the Silicon Valley and just kick in the doors of Google and fucking just crush everything. Like, <laughs> but I also zoom out. I'm like, okay, a right. robot mistook my thing because yeah, there's probably a gazillion hate channels out there that are doing right. bad shit or during the, the, uh, the election. Right. I get it. Um, I maybe know better now how to not trigger that. And at the end of the day, it it was engaged like it was great engagement. I got more DMs and messages on that on how I handled it. Like mm -hmm. that piece of content in and of itself made me money. I had people like book calls and things like mm -hmm. that. Be like, bro, I'm going through That's something. Amazing. Yeah, it just like the your attitude towards it was great. I love the work with you. So it's it, it's all you know. You zoom out and you're like, listen. So what? It's it's gonna be. You got to rebuild the YouTube channel. So what? You got to what? Click buttons and like upload videos overnight. Like it's not like this is manual labor. We're not digging ditches here, kids. So you can either complain about it, yeah, and nothing happens, or you just shut the fuck up and you just do what you need to do. You just finish. Well, I, I'll tell you, uh, I've I've been I've watched your stuff for a long time. You've been re-uploading stuff, and I've seen things that I've I had never. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. never gone down that deep. Or yeah, whatever. yeah. So, so you got to constantly post. I think everyone in content land forgets, like just because you posted something once, 
less than 10% of your audience ever saw it. Right. So like reposting content is, is a, is a viable strategy. I have gyms repost the same 30 posts over and over again for months on end. You're always teaching, man. Try always teaching. All right. Speaking of teaching, uh, let's get into some nerdy shit. Um, Talking about just general gym stuff, and and I think this is where you're leading me. This this idea that you're able to kind of zoom out and look at the thirty thousand foot view. I don't know if that's a good analogy. Yeah, it's a great great way to put it. You're always talking about because uh, I I pay attention to this because of the gym uh, operational capacity, and you're yeah. like you you have all these posts about the five foot barbell and stuff. Um, is that just is that just your ability to zoom back that you're doing that? Or do you feel like it's part of you're yeah. trying to create content to help people learn? So to tee it up for everybody, operational capacity is something you hear talked about a lot uh, in prisons, actually. How many inmates can we have in a prison system safely, all that kind of stuff. But I always look at operational capacity in um, the micro gym industry because I realize everyone's always looking at how, much, how many members can I have. That's a vanity metric the mm -hmm. fitness industry chases. Mm -hmm. When I realize you're not limited to how many members. Like It's not like your credit card process companies like well you can only charge 400 a month like right. you could literally charge 1 million credit cards a month right. if you want but you couldn't put like let's say a thousand but most gyms couldn't have a thousand members right because it's not about how many people you can serve monthly or lifetime it's about how many people can you fit into a class and mm -hmm. if we're talking group fitness and that class you can only going to have x amount of them in a day Right? It's not like realistically, right. a gym's not going to have a 3 p.m. class that's packed at 25 people. No, they have just to work. Not, yeah, right. you're going to have a.m., maybe an afternoon or two class, mm -hmm. and then p.m. classes. Mm -hmm. So kind of like a bar. Let's say a bar opens from 4 to close, which is called, it's called 2 a.m. They want to lay out the tables and the bar and set it up so they can see the most amount of people during their busy hours. And, and that's just the art of operational mm -hmm. capacity. So I start talking about this and I get out blue tape in my gym and I, I mark out, this is how much space a CrossFit person takes up. This is how much a boot camp person takes up, mm -hmm. yoga, so on and so forth. And I just try to bring that conversation to light because that's just a business element. Nobody, nobody in my world no. that does what I do talks about. They talk no. about retention and sales and marketing. And those are all great. Like I talk about that stuff too. Mm -hmm. But I, I think one of the things that sets me aside from this, from a lot of these guys is that, again, I'm still a gym owner. I'm in the trenches of this thing. And the one thing that it, we all deal with is how do I rearrange the facility to fit more people or to make the workout right. better or whatever? And nobody always was making, rearranging shit. Yeah. And nobody yeah. was making content on that. So I said, well, fuck it. I will. No, I'd never heard anyone talk about that in the gym space yeah. until you did. Um, you, so you got that from prisons? So prisons, the first time I ever heard someone talk about it, he was talking about it in a different aspect. Ty Arnett. And many, Ty Arnett was a business consultant. Imagine me, bigger, big red beard, but out of <laughs> Australia. Great dude. I never met him in person, but we exchanged some messages. And he made a video one time about operational capacity. He wasn't talking about it in the way I was talking about it, but that's one of the first times I heard the term. And then when I actually Googled it, I realized there was all these studies and things done it for prisons. And then if you go and really dig into it, you can go in and find like how Gold's Gym measures how much square feet the average person takes okay. up when they are in the gym, which is really impressive if you look right. at the math on that. Because in a Gold's Gym, you don't stand still. Right. You're always it's not like, it, yeah, yeah, you're like going to here, to here, to here. So they know how much square footage they need in certain areas based on traffic flow patterns. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. That would blow most CrossFit affiliate oh, owners' yeah. minds. Oh, yeah. just, yeah. They're like, but pull-ups. Yeah, um, pull-ups, yeah. yeah what, <laughs> all right, so I like to we, – we talk a lot about um, this uh, 
a fixed mindset versus growth mindset. You know, a lot of people ask questions to us and um, that's you, uh, you'd be surprised how many times that's where it goes. I, I, I wonder if you sort of come across that in your space in coaching people. I do. I, I would say the number one fixed mindset that I'm tra- and beliefs that I'm trying to break around that right now is the the reality that it is okay for a micro gym owner to one day not be a micro gym owner, like that your identity might change. The reality is this: I think a lot of gym owners right now are like, I want to be a gym owner and I want to be successful, and they're chasing a, an L, a KPI, right? They mm-hmm. want to. I want to mm-hmm. make X amount per month or I want to have X amount of members or whatever it may be. And my question is, great, let's say you achieve it. What is your actual, like, what are you going to do when you're 50 or when you're 60? Or what are you going to do even five years, 10 years from now if you were to achieve that? And for most of them, what it will evolve to is they're probably going to start a business or move into a thing that is attached or related or maybe it was started the genesis of their gym. But the idea of you owning a, a one location gym when you're 50 years old, I don't see that happening. Yeah, I don't tough. like that's what tough. happened. Yeah. So like, so I'm trying to like, there's a grow mindset of where, Hey, listen, like, and it took me a little while. I'm going to real estate. I'm going to get rid of my gym one day, my brick and mortar here in Charlotte. I'm going to lease out my entire building because right. it's a better business. It'll make right. me more money leasing it out than it ever mm-hmm. could as a gym. Um, and cause that's just the way commercial real estate is in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. But that was really hard. My coach, my business coach had to talk me off the ledge multiple times. I'm like, bro, I've never not owned a gym. I'm Stu. Like, how does that impact WTF? Right. Will people look right. down on me if I don't have a gym anymore, if I don't whatever? And and it took me a while to be like, no, wait a minute. You were Stu, the shitty train, the skinny <laughs> kid. And then you were Stu, the exercise phys major. Right. And then you were Stu, the CrossFit, you know, uh, you know, uh, student. And mm-hmm. then you became this global gym guy, became a gym owner. And then guess what? You did some commercial real estate and then you became a licensed guy. Mm-hmm. Like, no one's going to judge you because you no longer have a brick and mortar gym. They're going to be like, holy right. shit, look at him. He's look got it. He did it. He's making money right. off real estate. He's got this license model. I want to be where he's at. Right. But I was so paralyzed, Gene. I'm like, I was hmm. so like, I cannot not own a gym. I have to own a gym. I was in fixed mindset. Mm-hmm. I was fixed that I have to be on this. But then when I really zoomed out from it, and that's why I have a coach to help me do that when I fall short of zooming out. He's See, guys, like, even coaches have coaches. A hundred percent. Like, he's like, listen, man. He's like, do you, is that a success story to you? Yeah, I've been a gym over for 45 years. Really? You like one gym? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 45 years. Like, yeah, replace that statement with I've driven a truck for 45 years. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Replace it, it I mean, with is anything. that success. I don't know. I, there's this great cat. I, mean, I love stand up comedy. Cat Williams is one of my favorite comedians. He's like, it, he's talking about, you know, constantly evolving your inner circle. He's mm-hmm. like, if you're fucking around with guys that have been selling weed for four <laughs> years and they haven't moved on the cocaine, get them <laughs> out of your crew. Like you need people yeah. who are constantly pushing. And right. and that's, I think, fixed mindset. And I think that's in for business owners. And I know mm-hmm. everyone that listens is probably isn't a gym owner, but for anyone who's a business owner or an employee, they have a professional career, you got to be thinking of what are these next steps. And I think we get stuck, like, especially like I talk to a lot of employees and they're like, I love my role. I know my role. In order for me to grow to the next role, I either have to go back to school or I have mm-hmm. to take these courses. Mm-hmm. And then I'm in competition with younger people. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of scares. They're scared there. And they're just like, I'm just going to stay here. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you guys, staying still in life, it's not good. business owner, employee, personal relationships is not 
it doesn't lead to happiness because human beings are evolving creatures. Mm-hmm. Like you always see this. And I know you've gotten this to Gene. Like I love coaching people. And then it went from, I will love coaching people. Give it seven to 10 years that I want to coach coaches. And then it's like, oh, now I want to coach businesses or I want to coach groups of people. I want to teach on this mentality or leadership or sales. Mm-hmm. And you kind of niche in. And then you see a guy's like, yeah, I started as a, a coach turned gym owner turned consultant. And now all I do is I, I, I consult on sales and acquisitions of gyms. And I started a company that specializes in the sales and acquisitions of gyms. And it's like, how the fuck did you get there? But you can zoom yeah. out and see that path, but it's because yep. they didn't have a fixed mindset. They were in a growth mindset. And it's an impressive path. I must say, uh, along the same lines, you've made a couple of posts. We don't have to get necessarily into the weeds on each, any one of them, but you can, um, I, I see this a lot, um, not just in the gym space, the CrossFit space particularly, but also um, in other areas where I work is the um, this one topic you brought up, regulation yeah. in the gym industry. You, you had a good uh, – I think you did a whole podcast on it. Yeah. So um, that can that, scare a lot of people. It scares me. It yeah. scares me. I don't want anyone telling me what to do. Um, right. So the one – it was really interesting. It was, it was, it was COVID. It was 2020. Yep. And I had a lot of – I uh, me personally here in Charlotte, I had groups and people trying to petition against the governor. And the governor of North Carolina here, they like they wanted me to be a part of a thing where I put in money for a lawyer and we all went and worked out in front of Governor Cooper's <laughs> house. I'm like, all right, let me get this straight. You want to go and pay, like route – you know, go up against the governor on this and work out in front of him because you're angry that the gyms are shut down when literally all you're doing by working out in front of him in his driveway is proving you don't need a gym to work out. Like, right. <laughs> and, and I tried explaining to people, one of the reasons I think in 2022 and so on that government might get together and say, why did we have such an issue with the gyms? Because that is by far bar mm-hmm. restaurants and bars and gyms are the mm-hmm. biggest hot topics in COVID. And someone might raise their hand and say, well, sir, we have no idea what happens in any gym because we have zero regulation. It's not right. like a barbershop or a salon that are state regulated. You have to pass a cosmetology right. board. That is also the reason why the wages are so low. Mm-hmm. I like that. Fitness professionals are not looked at like lawyers. They're not looked at like physical therapists or doctors. Right. When we all know that fitness professionals, and I'm going to use a Greg Glassman, the founder of CrossFit, his line, fitness professionals are swim coaches. Cardiovascular doctors, heart surgeon doctors, respiratory doctors are lifeguards. Mm. It'd be better if you just to fucking pay a swim coach. Because if right. you gotta pay, if you need the lifeguard, it means shit went wrong, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, like, you're drowning. You're already, it's, you're already yeah. drowning, correct. Yeah. But I, I, and I don't want regulation. I, but I do believe in order for the profession of being a fitness professional for in order for it to evolve to the point where you can command triple digits per hour type service to where people look like, Oh my God, you're a trainer. Like tra- being a trainer is such a douchebag thing. Like, Oh, he's a personal, yeah. he's one of those personal trainer guys, you know, big muscles, no brain. Mm-hmm. It has a bad taboo. And I, I truly believe there's going to be some amount where some body mm-hmm. is going to not body as a person, but an organization is going to say, here's the top certifications in the world. And they need to be harder to get. Yeah, Like the education is going to have to be more expensive, more exclusive, and it's going to be more difficult to pass. And then and only then will the profession be looked at better. But when anybody, I mean, you know, Gene, you know this, you're in the, you're in the community, you're in the industry. How many clients had a remarkable transformation at a gym over the course of 24 months and then didn't like the way that gym did it. So they went and opened their own gym a year later. Mm -hmm. And now they used to be a CPA 
and now they're team. a fitness now yeah now they're a fitness professional and they actually are not a mm-hmm. fitness professional. They are a fitness enthusiast. Mm-hmm. They are learning and educating their way, maybe taking courses to get better as a professional. But you and me both know the only thing that makes you a professional are the reps. That's Malcolm right. Gladwell, that Absolutely. shit, ten thousand fucking reps. Yeah, you, yeah, you got to coach for three or four years before you tell me you're a uh, even yeah. Coach. I, I, t- I, I tell people I'm like I because so until I do something for a decade, I don't think yeah. I'm great at. It. People are like, yeah. are you a good consultant? I'm like, I'm good. I'm not great. Getting like, there. Why? I'm like, because <laughs> I have. I'm like, yeah. I've only been doing this since 2015, but when, you know, when I get to it, I've got 10 years in, you know, then I'll say that I'm, I could potentially Level be great or I'm an expert. Yeah. That's the mindset, man. You've got it. You've got it. Yeah. I will say that the, the, the CF one, the CrossFit level one is too easy. It's yeah. Just, I mean, it's just I know it's easy. got a 30% fail rate. Cause I used to host a lot of them and right. I, I like, that's good. I think that, I think it's good. I think 30% is like your starting point. I like to see it be much more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, but again, that's the life. Again, the other thing, I zoom out. Their business model, they do not want to be yeah, they don't want you in the that. advanced education business model. They want to be in the e-course, yeah. you know, pay-to-play business uh, education business model, which is fine. It's a great business model. And mm-hmm. the same thing because they're a license as well. Right. Licenses, they, you, the only way that, that works financially is if there's lots of them. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially at three thousand dollars a year, which is the CrossFit cost for to be a CrossFit license, so you need a fuck ton of them to make that engine, the economic engine of that thing, really hum. Mm-hmm. So, to put a bunch of barriers to entry there, I mean, do you have any like? Close there's what, yeah, there's what sixteen thousand CrossFit gyms in the world right now. I bet you there'd be six thousand if the if they really increased. Like, mm-hmm. hey, you have to take the level one that has a forty percent passing rate and you have to show that you have been in the industry getting collecting reps and experience for two years right that would i mean half but why would they want to bottleneck that business model they wouldn't that's not right yeah and and i don't blame them because here's the other thing i do agree is teaching someone the deadlift improperly or less optimally the bigger issue or is it somebody not deadlifting and sitting on the couch that's the bigger issue so even a bad coach getting somebody the move bad coach is going to get right. more people fit than they will injured i truly it's not gonna it's yeah. not gonna be one oh, yeah. but yep. i but again it just going to your to the point of the regulation um i i think that uh i think that there's gonna something's gonna come down the pipeline at some point and unfortunately it'll be some lobbyist trying to get the NSCA or the ISSA or one of these other organizations that gives them money to be the one. And I sure as hell as a fitness professional wouldn't want to have to take any, I like if I did anything, I think CrossFit would be the best one. I truly <laughs> yeah. do. Well, I yeah. Truly, if you if you got to get it done. That or OPEX, I think what Active Life is doing is great. Um, all those organizations. Um, but then there's just so many that are bigger and stronger and have more lobbying power. And we all know how that works at government. So, well, maybe with the new CEO, CrossFit can get there. Yeah, maybe. I yeah, yeah possibly. It's not so anti-humans as yeah. classmates seem to be. Yeah. So last last thing, and I'm because I, I want to be respectful of your time, and I've kept you for like 40 minutes. Um, touch on these two things in the same uh, scenario here. So you 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 glanced over it, but you got fired from the global gym mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. for running the side business. Yep. And from what I understand, CrossFit told you we don't want you around anymore. Yeah. I'm not trying to paint you as like a, a like a bad boy outsider or something, but <laughs> but I think it I think it comes from your ability to zoom out that you've been able to make these shifts. So can can you give me a little because I'm genuinely greedily 
interested in the stories here. Yeah. So on the Globo Gym one, I was uh, I was living in Charlotte. I had been hired by I was doing a bunch of stuff in Nashville. Um, and then I got hired as the the vice president of personal training for a company. They had clubs in Charlotte and clubs in Kentucky. And I was over those. Well, this was a great job. I mean, at that age, when I was working really hard, but I was partying very hard as well as <laughs> living life as a, a 25 year old should as you um, should as I should. Uh, it was more money than I probably should have had at the time, but I knew this party will not last forever. Either I'm not going to want to do it. Like I always wanted to open my own thing. So I used that to continue to learn, to save money. And I knew the sun would set on that profession. Mm. And I just figured, so what I'm going to do is I started my side business, which at the time was a mobile personal training company. And um, I'd go to apartment complexes. And when somebody signed up at an apartment complex, they would book them with us for a consultation on the on-site fitness center. And mm. I had like seven trainers across 13 different apartment complexes, just churning sessions all throughout the day. I mean, it was a great side business wow. from a, from like, an, if you looked at it on an Excel sheet, like this is incredible. It was a pain in the ass from a labor side. Yeah, you have all imagine. these 1099s and people having to drive to all these apartment complexes, but not to mention just showing up for their show. Correct. Yeah. Slot. Oh God. Like no shows were just a pain, but anyway, um, so they found out, they found my website and they, uh, they must maybe, I don't know, someone maybe ratted me out at corporate or something. And they, they, they <laughs> sent someone down from corporate in Lexington, Kentucky, Fucking came down rat. Charlotte and fired yeah. me in person Whoa! and, um, no severance, no nothing. And, um, and that was that. And it literally happened on a Friday because mm. that's the best time to fire people. And so I had the weekend, I got really drunk and partied. And then on Sunday I hung over, sat down. I'm like, all right, what am I going to do? <laughs> And as you I should, as I should, and I, I figured it out. And if I fast forward, you know, I became a, you know, I was yeah, yeah. Uh, did a boot camp um, for a while, and then I converted that to a brick and mortar. Then I affiliated that brick and mortar with CrossFit. Um, and then when CrossFit, it, I went in 2014. I was hosting certifications mm. for CrossFit. Yeah, I, I remember you talking about that. And I was a and I and I was a, a voice where I was making making content, talking about owning this CrossFit gym, and my, my the name was starting to get out there. And then I started talking not anti-cross but i started talking about like these things that are happening in cross affiliates that i don't agree with and here's why and from a business standpoint from a fitness delivery standpoint mm -hmm. i think we should be doing these things and then i announced that i'm gonna rebrand and move away from crossfit and then i had a falling out at an actual we were hosting a level one cert at urban what is now urban movement and me and uh, the individual, a couple of the, one of the instructors, we got into a, a very, it was a heated, uh, heated scenario. And it was after that, they sent me an email. They're like, listen, we're not hosting any more certs anymore. And we want you, then another email came like two weeks later, like no longer can you use CrossFit in any of your content or marketing, no hashtags, no nothing. Mm -hmm. um, and then coincidentally, that was the same year I did and renew the affiliate. So it was just, uh, Yeah. So just from a bad experience from the, the yeah, team. it was just bad experience. I mean, I think they probably saw it. I mean, they, I, cause I, I, I literally made, there's two podcasts. People can go look. It goes, why I still pay my affiliate fee, but I don't use the marketing language across fit at all. I did like a two part podcast on this and I, I, and someone at HQ had read that up from what I was told by another, hmm. uh, eight, you know, seminar person. And it was just like, why do we want this guy in here anyway? Like he's just like literally saying like I'm just paying the three thousand dollars because I I can, the, um, but I'm the doing all the algorithm. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, and and because, but that's because it still gave me access. Like I mm -hmm. I could have you know I can maybe go to a ten year cross affiliate. Like they're like eh, it'd be better just not to have them in the club. So how long were you an affiliate? From 2011 
or 2010, 2011, all the way to like 2017. Holy shit, man. Yeah, 17 or 18, right around there. Yeah, it might have been 18 we finally dropped it. But see, that, that that's also like, you know, you're doing this thing. It's part of this bigger thing. You don't own the thing. Yeah. You kind of have to operate. It's just like, it's this, for me, when I hear that story and I hear the YouTube story, they're the same story. Sure. To me. Yeah. And, and I appreciate that from you, brother. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you just got to pivot. Like nothing, like you want to know something. The only consistency in life, people, is that everything changes. Mm-hmm. That's the only consistent thing in life is change. And you can roll with it or not. Like, uh, I, you know, you, you're walking down the street and you trip. You can either fucking just kind of like stumble forward, land on your fucking face and bitch and whine about it or just turn into some funky little dance. Like you got <laughs> you have options to how, right. how you know, again, life is 80, 20 percent of actually what happens to you and 80 percent how you handle it, how you zoom out from it. And I, mm-hmm. I truly believe that, man. Well, you live it and you teach it. Thank you so much. Thank uh, you, brother. Appreciate you being on the show. I think everyone's going to have a lot to learn from you. Awesome, man. Thank you so much where, for having me. It's great catching can, up, dude. Where can people find you? Yeah, so anywhere, uh, any on the social medias, guys, just WTF Jim Talk. <laughs> that it's no one else has taken that. It's, it's pretty much up for grabs. So that's what happens when you pick a really dumb <laughs> business name. Nobody else wants it. So uh, it's easy uh, to remember. Yeah, search WTF Jim Talk anywhere and you, and you will find my face. Man, awesome. Awesome.